And now it's time for Madison's Mad Facts with your host, Madison Standish. Madison. Welcome to another Madison on the Air bonus feature of Madison's Mad Facts, where we look at the way things were in real life back during these old-timey radio shows. This month, we did our first medical drama with the story of Dr. Kildare. Major spoilers ahead, folks. I am not kidding. Listen to the episode first. Okay. Our episode focused on Dr. Kildare and I working together to expose a quack doctor. So I thought, especially in this time of continuing global pandemic, we'd talk briefly about the history of quack medicine. We'll also talk about a quack cancer cure of the 1950s, which may have been the inspiration for our episode. To talk to us about quack doctors is our very own quack doctor. Well, at least he played one in our episode. David Pinion! Hey, David! Sup? Mad facts about bad quacks. What up, Mads? Thanks for having me back. Let's do this. Well, yeah, bring it, baby. (laughs) Okay, let's start with the definition of a quack doctor. Okay, the term quack comes from the Dutch word quacksalver, which means a seller of nostrums. Nostrums are medicines with no proven medical effectiveness, which could be sold without a doctor's approval. The word quack itself came to describe the way these unlicensed medical practitioners would shout from street corners to sell their remedies. They quacked like a loud duck. In more modern terms, imagine the snake oil salesman from old movies selling his cure-all elixir from the back of a carnival wagon. However, the word quack dates as far back as the 1300s. So, we got a plague. There's always been plagues. Talk about the rise of quacks during plagues. Well, pandemics and the plague years in human history is when quacks are notably at their busiest. They see a money-making opportunity in human suffering, and they prey on the public's fear. In desperate times, people will reach for promised cures, disregarding the recommendations of experienced medical professionals. The quacks insist their cure is 100% effective, which is something a medical professional would never guarantee. With the variables of biology and science, there can never be a treatment or a cure that works 100% of the time in 100% of patients. But wanting the quick fix and the perfect guarantee, the masses have always flocked to quacks. Okay, this is sounding familiar. So tell us about the fake medicines the quacks push on people. Quacks throughout history have avoided government shutting them down because they use unregulated items. The most used ingredients in these remedies are herbs. In the best case, the herbs are harmless and inactive. But often, one or more of the herbs in the cure-all are toxic to humans. For example, the herb hellebore. When humans consume the herb, it produces copious amounts of sweating as the body tries to protect itself from the poison. The quacks use that side effect as proof the cure is working, telling vulnerable people that the sweat is the plague leaving their body. In most cases, even today, such herbs fall under the category of food or dietary supplements and not medication, so anyone can make unproven claims about herbal treatments without requiring the safety guidelines medication must go through to be sold. People who are desperate for a solution to an illness will accept these claims as a chance at hope. And unfortunately, countless people throughout history have lost their lives to these charlatans and their poisonous cures. All right, but sometimes the definition of a quack didn't actually mean someone who was trying to take advantage of the sick or desperate people, right? No, that's true. There's always been a divide between the rich and poor, and historically in the medical field, the trend was deadly to those who were born of a lower station. In order to afford to become a physician, you had to be wealthy. And the wealthy classes traditionally carried a great disdain for the poor. So when practicing medicine, there would be separate cures prescribed depending on the class of the patient. 
Collectively, the wealthy physicians considered the poor to be the cause of most diseases, that they were carriers of germs and filth. Because of this, it was determined that the poor were not worth the time and medicine that would be prescribed to their wealthy patients. In these cases, the poor often had no medically trained professionals to turn to for help, so unlicensed healers would step up and try to treat the poor. These were often well-meaning people who, at that time in history, were either too poor themselves to seek out professional accreditation, or they were not allowed to become licensed doctors because they were women or of a minority race. So it's rich white dudes or nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. In many cases, it was just nothing. For example, during an outbreak of the bubonic plague in London in 1665, citizens with the financial means to do so simply left the city to go to the countryside where the plague wasn't spreading. Much like we've seen during COVID-19, the cities with high populations living in close proximity to one another see larger numbers of cases. The difference is, in 1665, there was nothing keeping the physicians in London to help those who could not flee the city. Being wealthy themselves, the doctors left the city to suffer. So imagine all of the COVID cases in, say, New York City, but no hospitals available for the sick. That's when the so-called quacks stepped in to do their best to help with the suffering. Talk about Jewish doctors. Well, another group that was given the title of quack doctors were licensed and accredited physicians, but of the Jewish faith. They were only permitted to treat Jewish patients. It was actually illegal for them to treat a Christian patient. But in desperate times, when the bulk of the Christian doctors had fled the plague-ridden cities, Jewish doctors stepped in and helped the sick of any religious faith. But they were not following the rules of the medical profession, so they were considered, by definition, quacks. Eh, stupid. Okay, let's jump ahead to what began in the 1920s and what we can probably argue was a timely topic that influenced our episode of The Story of Dr. Kildare. Let's chat about Harry Hoxie. Ah, Harry Hoxie. Harry Hoxie is an example of a quack who didn't need a worldwide pandemic to operate. Instead, he turned his focus on those suffering with cancer, much like my character Conlon did in our episode. A little backstory. The American Medical Association in the early 20th century believed that the best fight against cancer was x-rays, radiotherapy, and surgery. They insisted that with early testing and detection, these treatments could help those suffering with cancer. Oh yeah, Dr. Gillespie says they could treat cancer as long as it was discovered early. That's why they can't help Mrs. Bradley because she didn't come to them soon enough. Mm Mm-hmm, right. Now, Hoxie, who was never accredited as a physician, by the way, offered his solution for cancer patients. It was based on an herbal remedy he asserted cured a tumor on the leg of his horse. And with that, he built a lucrative empire. Much like those snake oil salesmen, he made claims that promised absolute cures with no proven medical basis supporting any of his propaganda. But he was able to successfully become a millionaire from his efforts, all based around a simple campaign of hope. Hope? Real doctors didn't have hope? Not back then, no. There was a feeling of helplessness by physicians treating cancer patients that permeated the profession. While many patients were helped by the medically approved treatments of the time, doctors were discouraged by the mortality rate, and that attitude came through to their patients. It's heavily documented that patients who don't believe they have any hope of surviving will often give up and actually die shortly after their diagnosis. So while the legitimate medical profession was burdened by doubt, Hoxie offered hope. His clinics sprung up all over the country, even dwarfing the AMA cancer centers in some cities. But it wasn't actually hope if he couldn't help them. And that's why he's known as a quack. By the mid-1950s, the FDA launched an enormous campaign to warn the public about what they called the false hope that Hoxie was promising. Immediately, the FDA was bombarded by letters from his supporters attacking the FDA's campaign against Hoxie. Hoxie insisted he was appointed by God to do his work, 
and his zealot believers attacked the FDA as being anti-Jesus and, since it was also the 1950s, dirty communists. Gee, why does that somehow ring a bell? Cough, cough. So what was Hoxley's cure? A variety of herbal treatments. Just like the quacks of the 1600s bubonic plague, the ingredients in Hoxie's cure are unregulated by the government, but the side effects of those herbs cause life-threatening reactions while having no evidence that they help with the treatment of cancer. And unfortunately, his original treatments are still being pushed as a false hope to cancer patients even today. While his clinics no longer operate within the U.S., the Hoxie therapy is offered in Tijuana, Mexico, at an enormous price to both the cancer patient's wallet and health. Yuck. So we've learned that there will always be quacks pushing false hope to the sick and making bank by taking advantage of desperate people. Super. And we all know the internet and social media doesn't help. True. In this information age, it puts a lot of the burden on the patient to find trusted sources before making any medical decisions. Well, thank you, David, for chatting with us about quack doctors. Always a pleasure sharing a chinwag with you, Mads. Maddie, Mad Girl... Okay, Madison, I'm going to stop while I'm way behind. Good talking to you. No problem, David. Dave, Davey, D-Manorino. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening to our little bonus feature, Madison's Mad Facts. And get ready for new episodes of Madison on the Air to premiere the first of every month.